Welcome to the L&D Career Club podcast, where purpose-driven people come to start and grow the L&D career of their dreams. I'm Sarah Canistra, an L&D career, business, and executive coach, and I'm here to take you on a weekly journey to create a seamless, energizing, and engaging L&D career blueprint so you can live a life of fulfillment, inspiration, and freedom. If you're here to find your first L&D role, move up the L&D ladder, or land that high-level L&D role you've been dreaming of, welcome to the club. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the L&D Career Club podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, As you know, I am pre-recording quite a few of these. Next week, we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming. Uh, But I'm really excited for today's episode because a couple weeks ago, I did an Ask Me Anything on my LinkedIn, and I got so many freaking amazing questions that I, and of course, you know, I have a character limit on LinkedIn of how much I can answer, uh, which is the beautiful thing about having your own podcast, no character limit. Um, but I want to go in depth into a couple of the questions that came up because they're questions that I get a lot, uh, but these were beautifully posed questions. And so I'm going to get to those today, which I'm super excited about. And also what I'm excited about is if you're listening to this when it is going live, which is going to be on May 9th, we have just started the Nail Your L&D Niche live workshop series. So I've been talking about that. You've seen me talk about that. It is such an incredible series that we're doing. I do it live now twice a year. Um, I used to do it just in the winter, but now I'm doing it in the summer and the winter. And honestly, if you are looking to be in that new L&D role by the end of summer, uh, it is possible for you, but it has to start here with your with your L&D niche and really understanding what it is you want to do, how you want to do it, for who you want to do it for, and creating that blueprint. So this live series will help you do that. If you are not in it already, you can still join. Uh, Module 1 dropped on May 8th, so that's on Monday. Uh, But we have our live calls coming up, which you can still access, um, and two full weeks of the program and of live coaching from me daily. So uh, again, overnighttrainer.com slash events. I've been talking about that in the last couple podcasts. Um, You can also DM me. At this point, I will have been back from my little wedding leave. Uh, So DM me too if you have any last minute questions about joining. We would absolutely love, love, love to have you. Okay, let's get into, let's get into it. Let's get into today's episode. Some incredible questions came up and I really want to talk through them. And the first one came from Joseph. Joseph, you are the GOAT, always asking great questions, always commenting. Um, Don't think it's going unnoticed, Joseph, but really, really appreciate what you had asked here. So Joseph says, after working two internships for a year now, I'm transitioning into my first full-time ID role. We love that. He said, I feel a bit overwhelmed about what I should be doing other than applying to jobs that I qualify for. What first steps would you advise when moving toward a new role? So the beautiful thing is I did talk about this in last week's episode when we looked at what are the places and how to start on your L&D job search. But Joseph, I, I know know you from our, our LinkedIn friendship that we have too. So you've done a lot of those things to be able to lay the foundation. But remember that the first steps, and of course, you those of you who know me know what I'm going to say here, it's going to be to identify your L&D niche. And 
that really means getting a clear focus on what it is that you want to do, how you want to do it, and you know, for who you want to do it for, right? So when I see people saying like, I'm transitioning to my first full-time ID role, that already gives me a little bit of pause because you've already put yourself in the box of instructional design only. And so that usually tells me that rather than really sitting in your niche and owning your L&D niche, you're focusing too much on job titles. So I want to help kind of reverse engineer that and really start to think about what is your L&D niche and how do I now find roles that align with that over job title? Because the reality is instructional design is a field, right? It's not just a job title. So right now, if you pull up three different instructional design jobs on you know any, any job board right now, they will most likely be three totally different job descriptions even though they're all called instructional designer, right? So we wanna get really clear on what you actually want to be doing inside of the field of instructional design or inside of the field of learning and development, and then focus on using keywords to help you find roles that align with that. And again, keywords that are aligned with your niche. So just really, really make sure that you're, you're hyper-focused on that. What most people do, especially when they're first starting out and they're like, all right, I'm ready to land that role, is we get so caught up in the title side of things. And remember, job titles don't, I mean, they mean something, right? I don't wanna say they mean nothing or that they're trash by any means, because they're not. Uh, job titles are important, but at the same time, in L&D, and honestly, in most fields out there, job titles are not consistent. So an instructional designer at one company is going to do something totally different than an instructional designer at another company. And so you need to find out and figure out what it is you want to actually do and start finding roles that align with that. Not just, oh, I want to be an instructional designer because that could mean 500,000 different things. So what are the skills you actually want to use? What do you want to be known for? What's the impact you want to have in your next role? How are you going to make that come to fruition? And then what kind of values do you have that you want to align with and amplify with your next company, team, leader, right? All of those things. So knowing that, those are really important first steps to take, especially when I hear people say like, I'm transitioning into my first full-time ID role, or I'm looking for my first L&D role. And it's like, okay, those are really, really, really big spaces. And that's going to cast way too wide of a net. Um, I'm using so many hand gestures right now, <laughs> but uh, you can only imagine way too wide of a net. And so this really helps you to be able to be strategic and aligned at the same time. So great question, Joseph. You know, I love, love, love talking about this. So I'm so happy that you brought it up. Okay. Next question came from Chuck. Also such a thoughtful and incredible question. So he said, I have an idea for a new position that I want to pitch to upper management. I've prepared a presentation showing why it's needed, why it would benefit the company, how it would work, and why I would be the ideal person. Love this. And I need an idea of how to approach them to set up the presentation first. So I thought this was really, really, again, an impactful question. And one of the things that I kind of asked Chuck back was finding out if he has anyone in the company, a mentor, a stakeholder, advisor, leader, boss, right, who would champion that. So for me personally, the two times in my career that I've pitched roles, before I've pitched them, right, I floated it by other trusted people inside of the organization to get their buy-in, right? So in the past, for me, when I was looking to lead the program development and design for a large organization before I went and pitched it to kind of my boss's boss, the president of the company, I had champions inside of the company who I had 
you know, made relationships with people who were in the HR space, people who were in operations who had a lot of say. And I floated the idea by them, got their, not only did I get their buy-in, but I got their input. I think that's a really important part too, right? Because it's one thing if we just show up and we're like, we need, you need this role. Here's why you need it, why it benefit the company, how it works, et cetera. Um, all of that is fantastic and that will that will work, right? But if we wanna make that bigger impact, it's, and we think about it too from a learning perspective, right? Like we know that if we get to include people in the process, then we get much more buy-in. So I think making sure that from a, a high level leadership perspective, you know, who do you have that you could almost say like, hey, I want your advice on this. I, I want to I want to incorporate, you know, your thoughts on this. You know, what like what do you think could be the impact here? Where could this support you? Right. And start to really understand that and, and check the pulse there, because that might influence too how you prepare the presentation, how you present it, what points you focus on, what benefits you want to call out specifically too, Right. So really making sure that not only are you getting buy-in, but you're also asking for input from other people in higher level roles who this new role might might impact as well, right? So really keeping that in mind. Uh, the other thing that I talked about too was that at that point, right, once once we have that, 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 that buy-in essentially from other people inside the organization, they can now become a liaison, right? And they can become a liaison to now set up the presentation and champion it for you, right? So like, oh, hey, like Chuck is working on this really great thing, right? It's something you have to hear. So it allows you now to to get that message across uh, without you necessarily being the one to put it forward, right? And you can, you absolutely can and should be the one to put it forward, but that buzz is already going around. So I definitely think it's important to, to make sure that it's not just you going in you know, singularly with this one idea and pushing it forward, but you floated it around to other people who this role would impact, got their input and have their buy-in too. So those things are really important. And then on top of that, then just approaching it, right? So, you know, going to upper management, putting time on their calendar. Uh, what I would also do as well, Chuck, and anyone else who's in the same position is give them a heads up as to what to expect, right? We kind of think about that too in terms of any type of big big conversation um, that we're having. It's really helpful for them to have maybe some of those key points ahead of time. So I have this idea for a, a position, here's what the company benefits would be, like almost give them that high level, allow them to digest it, think about it a little bit too, so that way when it comes time to the meeting, it's not the first time they're hearing about all of this. And that now allows them to have a more thoughtful conversation with you versus you being like, okay, I'm presenting it and now I'm out of here. It allows that, that to be more of a dialogue as well. So uh, that's how I've done it in the past, how I've advised other clients to do it in the past too. It's worked really well. So I think if we can definitely work, you know, kind of have hitting it from multiple ends, uh, having someone to champion it, making sure you're getting input from people who this role will impact, uh, getting their buy-in, having them serve as a liaison, giving a heads up, right? We're not just like, you know, all of a sudden saying, hey, there's this new role, right? Especially from an upper management perspective, they're going to need time to to digest it, to understand why, uh, to do their due diligence on it as well. So really excited for you to keep us posted on how that goes. All right, Tamar, I love this question. So thank you, Tamar, for asking how to overcome imposter syndrome when it creeps up, especially before an interview. I love this question. 
I really find from my clients who I've worked with that imposter syndrome, and I, I'm using that in air quotes because my friend Lisa, who I've had on the podcast before, I love how she reframes this as an imposter moment, right? Imposter syndrome means that like we're doomed, right? It's it's so big. It's so, you know, it's just like this ominous cloud that's like floating above us. But imposter moment just means like, hey, I'm having this moment, right? So I'm having this moment that's coming up right now before an interview. It's just a moment. So when I've noticed that these imposter moments happen right before an interview, usually they pop up because we don't have complete clarity on how our past experience translates into the role we are interviewing for. I was just talking about this um, in a podcast episode, I think about two weeks ago now, where we looked at the impact that knowing your L&D niche has on all on, on your entire career transition process, right? It's not just about finding the right role and understanding what that is, but it sets the it sets the precedent and it really sets the it sets the the track for you to be able to move forward and with intention. And so what happens is I see a lot of people not having true clarity. They think they have clarity, but they don't. Uh, and clarity specifically in how that past experience aligns and translates with the role that we're interviewing for. So a lot of that comes when we don't understand or don't can't really articulate our L&D niche. And so we start to apply to any and all roles, throw spaghetti at the wall. And when we do happen to get interviews, we're 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 just not clear on how all of our past experience aligns with what it is we're interviewing for right now. So that that can create the the sense of I always say confidence comes from clarity, right? The more clarity we have in what we want to do and how our skills translate, the more confident we're going to be. And so what happens is, and, and this is kind of like the, this is this is the the building on top of the moment here because. I see this imposter moment happening as well when people over-prepare for interviews, right? Trying to memorize every single little detail. And again, that comes from not being clear, from not truly knowing your niche, not getting, not having the clarity inside of your niche of what's the stories you want to tell and how you want to tell them. And so what that means for you is that every role that you're applying for, you have to prepare and you feel you have to prepare because you don't you feel you have to prepare all these really specific details specific to this job description and so it puts you in a, in a sense of over preparing and that's so much pressure and so what I do is I teach inside of the LMP Career Club specific techniques around having these set interview stories that you can leverage for every interview so you're never in an over preparation state and again if you are if you are clear on what your L&D niche is, what the skills are that you want to utilize in your next role, how you've utilized those skills in the past and where that golden thread is, what that looks like then, of course, moving forward, and what stories you want to tell that that tells the full picture of all of that experience. And then you're applying to roles inside of your L&D niche. At that point, it now becomes so much easier to prepare for interviews and you have so much more confidence around it too because you're not in that over-preparation state. What I will say is that a big piece of this too is starting to shift your mindset. And this takes time, but I promise it is magical uh, to remember that you are interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. You are in the driver's seat so much more than you realize. And especially when you're applying to roles inside of your L&D niche and there's that alignment there, they want you, right? They're reaching out to you. Your resume did its job. They want you. You are wanted they are going to be pining for you as much as you're pining for them, right? So having that mindset as well is so important because it really does allow you to be in the driver's seat and remember that you have as much control, if not more, than they do. 
So really, really keeping that in mind as well. But it comes up, right? So I think a lot of it, imposter syndrome right before uh, an interview, it's not, it, there's so many more layers and steps before the interview that allow you to, to negate that, right? And to nip that before it gets to that imposter moment right before an interview. So if you can get really clear, really intentional, uh, really, and build that confidence before an interview even is on the table, it creates such a better mindset for you as you are entering the interviews and you're coming out of such a different place than of like, oh my gosh, like how am I going to do this? And what am I going to do? What am I going to say? Right. It creates a whole new level of energy that you get to show up to this interview as. So really, really focus on those things. All right. James, James asked, such a great question. I always love your questions, James. You know, you know, I have mentioned this before. I've done other Ask Me Anythings. Uh, your questions are so fantastic. All right. So James asked, as I look at postings for L&D roles, ones that I think fit my niche, smiley face, one of the requirements that I feel keeps me out of the conversation for many of those positions is learning system, learning management system experience, which I do not regularly use. Any suggestions on how to build this up and when time and budget for a subscription are thin? So, the question that I asked James back is, first of all, do you want to be in a role where you're responsible for using the LMS? Like, do you actually want to be regularly using this? And this is important because what happens so often is that we find our L&D niche and we start looking at roles and there are often times where things pop up and we start to see what I call the golden thread, which are... And we talked a lot this about this a lot inside of the uh, the workshop I just wrapped up a couple weeks ago in uh, looking at our career development plans and putting that together, which replay is still available too. If you if you're interested in that, let me know and um, I can send you the link to register for that. But I uh, what, what's what happens is is that we see these things come up over and over again, and rather than taking a beat and taking a pause and asking ourselves, hey, is this something I actually want to learn? And that not only do I want to learn it, but it's something I actually want to do in my next role. We automatically like bypass that and say, I must learn this. I have no choice. I'm seeing it over and over again. And then we like go down the path of like certifications or spending a lot of money downloading it or you know, getting a trial, all of those things, time, money, and energy are spent in it without even asking ourselves, do we actually want to utilize this? And so it's so important to go back and do that. I mean, I, I had a client the other night, an L&D Career Club client, we were talking about this, of like a specific skill that she is seeing popping up that she doesn't really want to use. And so we look at how do we now take that out of our, how do we re realign our niche and make sure that that's not a part of it? Because you get a choice, y'all. You get a choice. If you do not want to do something in your next role, like other than if you're like, you're like I don't want to be involved in learning and development. Well, then you shouldn't be in learning and development, right? But like for the most part, the beautiful thing about L&D is there's so many different types of roles where you can really leverage your strengths. I'm not saying it doesn't mean that every single day you're going to love your job 100% of the time and always be doing things that you're absolutely obsessed with. I talk about this a lot in running a business, right? There's so many things that I love about my business. It gives me so much energy. I could do this all day, every day. But at the same time, sometimes I have to do things I don't like to do, right? I have to do accounting and bookkeeping and those type of things which aren't fun, but they keep they, they sustain my business, right? And so same thing. There's going to be things that aren't fun, but it's sustain your role and your your impact too. But I digress from that because you have to think if, for example, with James, 
if he's seeing this like LMS experience over and over and over again, but it's not something that he wants to do, then it's really important to start to look at, okay, how do I now shift my niche niche and most likely probably shift what I'm searching for and how I'm searching to make sure that that's not a requirement or not something that I'll be working on. Because what happens is, and I, we had a live Q&A inside the L&D Career Club last night with Emma Strong, who's a resume, a resume coach and an L&D hiring manager. And what happens is people, again, bypass the thought of, hey, do I actually even want to do this? Go learn it, certified, whatever, um, put it on their resume, and then get a job where they're focusing on a learning management system and they didn't even want to do that in the first place. So really, really thinking about that if you actually want to regularly using it. Now, if James's answer is yes, like that sounds great, then I would suggest first and foremost, thinking about what you've already done and experienced, that would be LMS adjacent, right? So have you managed a library of learning in another way? Maybe I was just talking about this um, the other day with David James on the, on the podcast, This came, the podcast that came out um, at this point uh, a couple weeks ago. And you know, we talked about learning technologies and how, only implementing learning technologies if we can if we can do it with pen and paper essentially right like a Google Doc or things like that. So have you managed you know an Excel document that has had you know learning content on it? Have you learning content being housed in any certain way right? Like have you managed a library of learning? Have you housed learning or documents in the past for others to access? What adjacencies are there that you can call out on a resume that would show the transferability? So maybe you don't have experience with a specific LMS, but really at the end of the day, learning management systems allow us to house libraries of learning and create learning experiences and learning pathways for people to access and access easily. So how have you done that in the past where you can show that you have the skill, right? The system's easy to use, but the skill of and the intentionality behind it, that's that's the skill and that's a harder thing to, to teach right off the bat. So question would be here, where else have you experienced or what else have you already done that would be LMS adjacent? Now, if the answer is no, I don't want to be using it, I would explore if the roles popping up are really in your niche. If you're not interested in managing the, or using an LMS as often as the job descriptions want, there may be a layer or two deeper to go in your niche to make sure that these roles are actually aligned with you. So ask yourself that question first. If you're seeing things pop up over and over and over again, ask yourself, do I actually want to utilize this? And if the answer is yes, great. Okay, where do we find the adjacencies? And sometimes we do have to develop in it. Right? That's the reality. Sometimes we do, but especially when it comes to LMS, there are adjacencies. And then from there, it doesn't mean you have to necessarily download one um, and, and, you know, and play around in one, but there's, you know, different things that you can do. You can watch YouTube videos. You can, you know, you can, you can get familiar, right? Remember, we've talked about this before in the podcast where it's like the familiarity part, which is important, not the expert expertise part. That's not important, right? The familiarity. So if yes, how can we come, become familiar? What adjacencies do we already have that we can just translate over? And if the answer is no, start exploring if the roles popping up are really in your niche uh, and how we can go back and kind of restructure that and tighten that up to make sure that these are not popping up. So great, great question, James. All right. Emily, great question from her as well. The questions are so good. Um, she said, what can I do right now as a transitioning teacher to stand out from all the others applying to L&D roles? Okay, so here's what I said back and here's what I will continue to say. The number one thing you can do to stand out from all the others applying to L&D roles is stop wondering how to stand out from all the others applying to L&D roles. 
You have to focus on what you bring to the table. It is so incredibly important because what happens is, is we get so caught up in standing out and wanting to, you know, trying all of these different things to get people to notice us, hiring managers, recruiters, we're adding this, we're we're taking all this advice. We're talking about this again last night in our our live Q&A, just like there's so much, there's so much advice out there that is so finite, right? That is so specific. Someone was saying, oh, well, I heard you should only have four bullets for each resume point. Someone's like, well, I heard it's six and I heard it's this. And it's like, no, that doesn't work that way, right? And so I always say the real secret behind getting hiring managers to notice you and standing out is stop making it about them and make it around you, right? You have to make it around you. It's so important to be authentically you and not trying to fit desperately into the mold of what a hiring manager may or may not want. I pulled the numbers, I talked about this in, in last week's episode too, but I recently pulled the numbers uh, back in um, in March of how many open roles there were in L&D and L&D adjacencies, and there's close to 2 million. Y'all, like 2 million. That means there's 2 million hiring managers, there's 2 million recruiters, right? It's like you're never gonna be able to to be everything to everyone. So it's really, really important that you get, you show off your uniqueness, your unique set of skills. And one thing that I notice people doing then trying to quote unquote stand out, lots of air quotes right here, is that they're following that really terrible advice of tailoring their resume to every single job description. And so you have to imagine if you're tailoring your resume to the job description and everyone else is tailoring their resume to the job description, you are not standing out in any of anything you're blending in, right? So really making sure that you're going back, figuring out what your L&D niche is and crafting a resume around that and around you. And so the biggest thing you can do to stand out is not worrying about standing out and instead worry about and think about how can I show my unique set of skills, right? Not copy and paste someone else's resume, not take into account all of these like weird random pieces of advice out there, but how do I create this marketing document essentially that showcases who I am, the skills I have, and what I bring to the table. So we want to stop focusing on how to stand out and instead focus on what you bring to the table. Really keep that in mind, but a really beautiful question, Emily, and I appreciate it so much. All right, last question that I had a very, very quick answer to this, which I love, but uh, Katie asked a question. She said, I was working in part-time L&D adjacent role starting in 2014 before landing a full-time role as an ISD in 2018. I want to include those experiences and the skills I gained from those part-time roles on my resume. Is there any reason to not include part-time roles? I was in school from 2014 to 2018, so that's that's why my roles were at that time were part-time. So I wrote very simply, no reason to exclude them at all. Part-time work is work, you all, right? If it's relevant, put it on there. It's so important. I think we get so caught up in like, it was part-time or it was while I was in college or it was, you know, it was something I did on top of my job responsibility. So I don't want to add it in there. It's like all of it is relevant. All of it is relevant. It's experience, right? No matter, doesn't matter where you gained it, how you gained it, you gained it. And so you want to honor that, especially when it's relevant to what it is you want to do next. Uh, I talk about this a lot with my clients, right? Again, that that mentality of going above and beyond, but because it's not part of your quote unquote job description, people don't own it in their resumes. And so it's definitely a mindset shift to be able to do that 
and to say, hey, yeah, was this part of my initial job description? Not necessarily, but I gained this skill from doing this. Own it. Was it part-time? Who cares? Who cares if it was part-time, full-time, 30 hours a week, 100 hours a week? You still gained the skill. So remember that it's really important for you to go back and own your experience. Uh, Jess Omley and I talked about this in a podcast episode that when she was on and she talked about you know, her experience working at McDonald's and she didn't realize it until later in life, right? But of how for her, you know, she was training people all the time without even realizing she was doing it. So now she can talk about that as being part of the experience that led her into this Ellen, this beautiful L&D career that she's had. And so same thing, it, it, it's so easy for us to negate experience because it was like while we were younger or while we were in college or it was part time, like it doesn't matter, right? It does not matter. Uh, what it matters is the experience that you gain from it. So great, great question, Katie. All right, so those are the ones I want to dive in a little bit deeper to. Uh, again, these are a lot of these two are questions that that I get often in, in different ways, shapes, and forms. So I really appreciate Joseph, Chuck, Tamar, James, Emily, Catherine for submitting your questions, uh, for putting them out there, and for really uh, allowing us to dive deep into those today. So as a reminder, the doors for Nail Your L&D Niche are open right now if you want to attend that live. Again, that's happening right now. Uh, we'll do another one in December. So if you really want to get in live, now is the time to do it. And if you are like, I'm ready to go all in, I not only want my niche, but I also want to be able to craft the resume you were talking about, cover letter, portfolio, prepare prepare for my interviews, not over prepare, uh, know how to negotiate salary, build a personal brand, build an incredible L&D network around you, come and join us inside of the L&D Career Club. Um, we have some really fun things going on uh, just in the career club in general and some really awesome programming additions that are going to be coming soon. So now is the time to get in. I'm super, super pumped for everything that's going on. Uh, but yeah, lots of great fun stuff happening inside of the LD Career Club over the next couple months. Would love to have you join us. Go to theovernighttrainer.com slash LDCC and you can grab all the information there. Um, but yeah, can't wait. Thank you so much again to everyone who submitted questions and I will catch you all next week. Thank you so much for listening to the LD Career Club podcast. If today's episode sparked anything inside you, I would love to hear about it. Feel free to share your ahas and takeaways by sending me a message on LinkedIn or Instagram or by leaving a podcast review. And if you want more support on your L&D career journey, I invite you to join us inside the L&D Career Club membership, where we are redefining what it looks like to grow in your L&D career. Visit theovernighttrainer.com slash programs for more information and to activate your membership. See y'all back here next week.